Remembering the great DJs of radio, it's Radio Greats with the live Luke. Radio Great today has spent the best part of three decades on radio stations across the country in the Midlands and Yorkshire. He has presented shows for Lynx FM, Viking, uh, Century 106, Leicester Sound, KCFM, Magic, Real Radio Yorkshire and the BC2 Network. Recently, he has hung up his headphones from his weekend show on BBC Radio Derby, but that doesn't stop me from including him in this edition and learning a bit more about his life. But before I learn a bit more about his life, Steve Jordan, how do I find you today? Uh, I'm good, thank you. It's pouring down with rain here uh, at home. I speak to you from my kitchen. I have a candle lit because I refuse to turn the lights on because I'm, I'm tight and I don't know what my next bill's going to be. But otherwise... The world is brilliant, Luke. Absolutely fabulous. Well, that's very good to hear, Steve. And, you know, I'm almost the same with you. Um, I'm refusing <laughs> to put the heat in on, so I've got one of these, uh, I wouldn't call it an electric blanket type, but it's one of those sort of long onesie blanket, blankety fins that... Ah, uh, uh, a slanket. A slanket, that's yeah. a good word. Yes, absolutely. So, Steve... 30 years in the radio business, how was it you developed the radio bug? Well, firstly, I can't believe you're saying nearly 30 years, but it's absolutely true. You're not fibbing. Um, and I can't believe I've gotten away with it for so long. I'm genuinely blessed to have never really been out of work. Um, so how did I get into radio, Luke, was your question. Um, very, very easy to give you that. I was such a fan of music, uh, particularly in the early 80s, when things seemed to change, things seemed to get more electronic-based. Big fan of, say, Depeche Mode, Yazoo, etc., uh, and and then all the new romantic stuff. And, you know, this kind of music was blowing me away. Then I discovered 12-inch singles. They were never off my turntable. I just loved music. And then... I seem to remember uh, uh, just just finding, listening to Radio 1 on AM. Uh, it, for some reason, at some point, just gave me such a buzz, such a thrill. The compression of it all, the, the wavy signal in and out, uh, the compression that seemed to come from it. And, and having years later done a breakfast show for four years on AM and I would actually listen off AM while I was doing the program to make it actually sound as though I was on the radio. And people thought at the time, why are you, why are you doing that? <laughs> because otherwise it just sounds a little tinny and I'm, I'm in a, a room by myself. But that for me was phenomenal. I remember going to uh, 14 years old, 1983, I went to see Mike Reed do the Radio 1 Road Show at Tor Abbey Meadows Torquay. He was dressed in very ill-fittingly short tennis shorts, knocking tennis balls into the crowd. The Wurzels were on the stage. Um, and it was, I just thought one day I want to do that. And I think probably 14 years old is when I really got excited about radio. And then the very next year where I lived in Hull, Viking Radio started and at the time I was a, a paper boy and I used to work for John Turnbull's in Andleby Common and I would uh, wake up obviously I was always one of the first in because I like to to get home and and have some breakfast after I'd done my round and properly wake up so I remember waking up extra early to hear the five to seven start of a radio station. So I'm, I'm sat alone basically in a dark bedroom. I can still picture the, the clock radio in the darkened room with the red LED flashing at me with the time, showing me um, which station I'm listening to. The band was set. I did it the night before. And anybody who was around that time, by the way, will remember the test transmissions for Viking Radio. And those test transmissions were amazing. I have in my loft many, 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 many tapes of radio that's excited me down the years that I've, I, I knew that would be good and had recorded. I, I am devastated that I never taped the test transmissions. It seems everybody I knew was listening to Viking radio before it even started. 
But to hear the, the, the tape go off at five to seven and the whole station launch actually essentially pinned me to the bed and and blew me away. And then it was off to do the paper round, started talking to everybody in the shop about it, went home and couldn't imagine. It's 16 minutes to eight. You're listening to trade test transmissions from the Independent Broadcasting Authority. These transmissions are in preparation for the new independent radio service for East Yorkshire and North Lincolnshire, which will be provided by the IBA's contractor, Viking Radio Limited, and broadcasting under the name of Viking Radio. When did Good Friday fall on Easter Monday? If you take cups from Scunthorpe, where do you end up? What's going to be on Viking Radio every Sunday morning at 10? Well, I'll tell you the answer to the last one. Six of the best will be on Viking Radio on Sundays at 10. I'm Dave Jamieson, and I'll be posing six of my best questions. Now, these could be anagrams, local knowledge, brain teasers, anything really. But when I've given you six of my best questions, you give me six of your best answers. And if they're all correct, you win six of Viking Radio's best albums. Easy, which is more than the questions will be. There'll be lots of memories, too, because I'll be playing all these old records you'd forgotten all about. Six of the best every Sunday morning on Viking Radio at 10. And as for the answers to questions one and two, well, I'll give you those in the first programme. It's been announced that Viking Radio... And, I mean, you, you mentioned about it would it'd be 11 years later that you got to Viking, but before we uh, get over to Viking, you did actually make your radio debut just um, a few miles down the road uh, with a little station called Lynx FM. And I have to ask, was this just after it had launched? Well, I think if if David Lloyd is listening to this, um, you said little station, it was huge. Lynx FM was enormous at the time, and I, I didn't realise how big it was. So I'd gone through a phase, a long phase, and anybody who's listening to this because they're in radio will have done the same, uh, making tapes in their bedroom. So I used to do programmes and send the tapes off and then get very excited when a letter would come back, knowing that it was a rejection, but knowing that I had another letter in my collection of, of note-headed paper from a radio station, which is really, really anoraki. So I'd gone through a phase of doing that, and then having not got anywhere, having a normal, proper job, um, I'd just devoted more time to that. And then, um, I can't remember how it came about, but I ended up doing one show a week, on an RSL in Hull called Radio Cracker. And uh, luckily they thought I was okay. So I went back the next year. They asked me back the next year. I did that, just a 28 day license over Christmas. And then the next year, the same kind of people were involved in another RSL and it was called Cod City FM. And it was from me being on Cod City FM that I put a tape together that got me noticed and uh, uh, got the letter, which obviously I thought was going to be a rejection from David Lloyd in Lincoln to say, uh, why don't you come and have a chat? So I did. And within a couple of weeks, I was doing uh, five in the morning on a Sunday, <laughs> five till eight, reading out the potato prices as part of the programme. Absolutely true fact fans. Um, and luckily that didn't last very long and they moved me onto Sunday lunch times and, uh, and then a few months later, uh, I knew they were having a program restructure. I knew that I would be part of it. I was hoping at best for maybe the afternoon show and I was staggered when they gave me the breakfast show. Absolutely staggered. Lincolnshire is waking up. The county comes alive. Start your day with Steve Jordan on Links FM. That must have been a dream come true because you were talking about listening to Radio 1 on AM and hearing Mike Reed, who at the time was the breakfast jock of Radio 1, and then as well when Viking launched uh, 1 in 2, uh, be there to listen to the breakfast show after your paper round. What was it like to get a flagship show on a station like Lynx FM? I think genuinely, when I look back at my time there, I probably now didn't have the standards that I set myself now. And I really wish I'd have, I'd have tried harder. I enjoyed being on the air. There was a lot of talkability about the programme. The figures went up. All was good. 
so I would have been early 20s, mid 20s at this point, and uh, just imagined that this would last forever. Just thought this can't get any better. Having said that, I was, uh, uh, I, I had <laughs> very, very brazenly, after only about three months on the breakfast show, um, sent the tape to Radio One, and I got a letter back saying, uh, "We really like you. We're going to put you on the next listening panel." And so. Once I got that letter, I didn't sleep for about a fortnight, but I never heard anything more back. But for a while I was like, how can we go to Radio 1? How can we go to Radio 1? Which of course at that point was huge, absolutely huge. How, when I listen back to the tapes of me on Lynx FM from the period between 93 and 95, I have no idea. Because I joined Lynx FM, going back to your early question, I think about 18 months after it launched. So a lot of the early niggles had sort of been ironed out with the station, um, and and it was it was a proper it was a station where Lynx FM at that time was a station where in you could go shopping in in every other shop, and it would be on it would be on in a shop in every other shop. Everybody listened to that station. It was it was remarkable and probably a little bit overwhelming now I look back. Well, well, what was it like to broadcast in a city like Lincoln? Lincoln is absolutely beautiful and I miss it a lot. Um, and I, I unfortunately didn't really make the most of it there. I think a lot of it maybe had to do with the fact I was waking up at half past three uh, every morning because um, it was still a five o'clock start, a breakfast show that starts at five, finishes at nine. You kind of spent. Um, and of course, you're trying to live a life during the day that you can talk about the following day. But if you're spending two, two and a half, three hours in bed in the afternoon, every afternoon, because you're wiped out, it, it doesn't help. But the fact that I was young and I had the energy anyway, would have helped, but Lincoln is a very, very impressive city, and um, oh, yeah, I wish I'd made more of my time there. Hey, you've got it right. Oh. <laughs> there goes the door number six, and you have won free milk for a month. Oh, we live on a dairy farm. <laughs> <laughs> you are joking. I'm not, no. <laughs> we don't buy milk. <laughs> Another satisfied customer. Well, you mentioned um, 1995 uh, just a moment ago, and uh, by then uh, you uh, move from one city back down to Hull, and uh, it could be said that you mentioned that growing up listening to Viking FM, the dream comes true in your uh, on Viking. I could not believe it. And now this is where my memory gets a little bit hazy because I do not think I sent a tape in. I think the call to come join Viking was made uh, via a friend of a friend. I think, I think that's right. Utterly blown away. I had to keep it a secret, but obviously wanted to tell everybody, but couldn't. I seem to remember as well, there was also a competition clause, which would have prevented me leaving, but luckily... I had a chat and I was virtually saying, look, this is something that I always wanted. And to be fair, they let me go. And at the back end of 95, I think I joined in the October, November 95, joined Viking. And even now my, my heart is racing talking about it. It's not something I think of that often because I've, I've done a lot more since. But wow, I mean, to be on there was incredible. The PR team put together an advert which was meant to look like in the newspaper. You know, you know, in newspapers when you get uh, congratulations on the birth of your new baby boy. Um, they, the, the PR team at Viking, put together um, a quarter-page advert with my grinning idiot face on it, uh, saying, "Viking FM, please to announce a new arrival. Steve Jordan joins uh, one till four in the afternoon, as it was then. So I'd, I'd gone from the breakfast show, very prestigious show, to one till four in the." afternoon which although many might see as a backward step I didn't really have any I never had the urge to do a breakfast show I was like I said I was very surprised when I was offered it at Lynx FM and I, the, 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 the chance to, to go back to my home city and people who I would have worked with down the years will have heard me uh, people always knew that I wanted to work there 
and even now I'm in touch with with people who are you know from from those days who I worked with in the eighties and nineties, and they're very complimentary on the fact that you know I managed to achieve my ambition, my dream, and yeah, so. Uh, it was Phil White, who was the the, the uh, program director at the time at Viking, who, uh, who who took me, and so thrilled to be there, to Viking, and actually walking in the building and uh, walking around. You know, I'd been on tours there before, etc. And and to, but to actually sit in the chair and do a program was incredible. In fact, my first ever program wasn't I wasn't even meant to be on that week. Um, I ended up doing the evening show because uh, Laura Richardson, bless her, had uh, rung in sick. So it's like, can you start this week? So I actually did the 7 till 10 evening show for the first week, a week earlier than I was meant to join. Uh, that's what I mean, right? Short-staffed. And then, and then went on to the afternoon show the, the following week. Well, I, ha- I have to ask about that first show you did. How nervous were you? I cannot remember ever being so nervous. So, so... Uh, let me tell you right now. So whenever I do anything on the radio now, whenever I do anything in front of a crowd, for some reason, and it's awful to say this because I know that you should be nervous. I am not nervous at all. But the nerves of, of, of uh, the drive time presenter who was on before me, I, who I think was Paul Bromley, and he announced that I was on next. Didn't make a big thing of it. But we had this, and anybody who remembers Viking in the mid-90s, we had this amazing, weird, drummy news jingle, which you went, read the weather up to. And I, I'd always thought, oh, if I, if I get to Viking, I can't wait to play that jingle. And so he played it, and I thought, next time, it'll be me at 8 o'clock. I'll be playing that. So I was getting excited. I love a loud studio. So anybody who's ever worked with me will know, you know, my headphones are loud, the speakers are loud. It actually makes you feel as though you're actually on the radio as opposed to being in a room talking bobbins and playing your favourite music. And and so IRN is playing at 7. I'm thinking, right, three minutes past. I'm on, play my first jingle, play my first song, which to my detriment, I cannot remember what that song was. Um, and, and, I, and I was away. I, and with it being a, an evening programme and at last minute as well, because normally that show would have had pre-recorded musical guests and I had nothing having turned up literally at tea time to do it. I, don't, I can't remember anything about it. It was all a blur, Luke. It was all a blur. Good morning. It's six minutes past seven from 96.9 Viking FM. I'm Steve Jordan for Mark Dennison with Mark Morrison. Return of the Mac. Tuesday morning, 2nd of April, 1996. What I want to know is, what I want to know is then why really early yesterday morning when the temperature was zero degrees Celsius was my car covered in frost and this morning, when it was minus four, there was none at all. Answers, please, on a postcard. What about the road shows? What were they like? The road shows were amazing. So luckily, whilst I was at Lynx FM, somebody somewhere suddenly thought, oh, actually, he's quite good at, at dealing with the public and live situations and hosting. And it's not something I'd ever trained to do. But like I said to you earlier on, I, I, I always feel confident and I think... Um, to me, that the bigger the crowd, the easier it is to interact with them. And it, it, it is an awful kind of showing off that you do. But luckily at Viking, I mean, I ended up working two, three nights a week as well as the radio, which was in, incredible to me. Nightclubs, pubs, sporting events, that kind of thing. But the one thing I will never, ever, ever forget from my time at Viking, which started back end of 95, finished very, very early 99. The camaraderie between colleagues, the lack of ego between colleagues, the friendliness and the support between colleagues was absolutely phenomenal. We would all turn up at each other's gigs. We would all make a night of it. There would be a, a staff night out if one of us was performing somewhere. It's something I've I've never known before or since. It was just wonderful. And luckily friends made forever, simply through that. And, and, and here's the thing as well. There was, a, there was a time where when management changed at Viking and we were all kind of like, oh, what's gonna happen next? What's gonna happen next? And you start to get a bit fearful. 
and you, then you heard another presenter was coming in and then another presenter was coming in. Normally, you would all be worried about what they were like. Would they have an ego? Are they going to take your show? But we were all friends from the moment that they walked through the door. And I cannot ever remember hearing stories of that happening elsewhere or it's not happened to me since. Everybody's normally really worried. Everybody welcomed with open arms and part of the team. And that was, in that four years, a proper property. East 17. From 96.9 Viking FM. Not the song, but tickets to give away. I think you'll find. I have on the line poised these people. Two of which will walk away with a pair of tickets to see East 17 at Sheffield Arena this time next week. They are Natalie Clarkson in Barton, Paul Raven in Sheffield, Helen Craggs in Scunthorpe, Simone Thomas in Beverly, Natalie Brown in York, and Elaine Tutts in Hull. Come close, as close as you can. All right, who's going to win a pair of tickets then? Who was first off? Caller 96. Caller 96 to win a pair of tickets for East 17 next Friday night. Helen Craggs has come through. Yeah! <laughs> Hello there. Hello. You're a winner. How do you feel? Brilliant. <laughs> What's your favourite E17 ditty? Pardon? What's your favourite song by E17? Um, well, I've got an hour with Gabrielle. So. Gabrielle, yeah? You like that one, do you? Yeah. Who's your favourite band member, E17? Um, Tony. All right. Well done. You are calling 96. Yeah. You are going. I have a pair of tickets. And what's your favourite number? Five, six, seven, or eight? Seven. Seven, right. You've got tickets seven and eight on block 103, row C. Congratulations. Doors open at half six. You've got a pair of tickets worth 15 quid each to go to the Sheffield Arena C E17 next Friday night. What's your favourite radio? You mentioned you left the station in 1999 and you head on down to Nottingham, I believe, because uh, John Myers and David Lloyd have recently... Uh, set up a brand new radio station that was called Radio 106. It's now been rebranded as Century 106. Yeah, this was a weird one. Uh, once again, definitely, I know for a fact, I definitely didn't apply to the station or to John or to David to be on it. Now, the story I'm about to tell you is weird. So you might remember in 1998, BBC Two, I think it was, had a documentary series called Trouble at the Top, where cameras fly on the wall type would follow round somebody in big business and um, and see how they deal with uh, daily situations and their business in general. And of course, being a Radio Anorak, I watched the one with John Myers at what was then, like you say, Radio 106. And I looked at it and I thought, oh my word. Now, at the time, David wasn't there. David, of course, found me and started me off at Lynx FM. And one night, I had a dream that I worked there, and it had become Century at this point. Four days later, I'm in the office at Viking. The phone goes on my desk, and it's the receptionist, and she said, uh, hello, Steve, there's a uh, there's a Trevor on the phone for you. Uh, I'm saying, okay, don't anybody call Trevor? And it wasn't Trevor, it was David. And I'll never forget his words. His words were, um, hello, Steve. Uh, it's David. Are you happy? And straight away, I knew I was leaving Viking and going to Nottingham, just with him saying that. And that's how it happened. So I was offered the breakfast show, and I've always, always loved Nottingham as a city. Uh, Nottingham Forest were always my second team. Watching football down the years, I think they were everybody's favourite second team because of Brian Clough, etc., and the way they played football. And I had friends there as well who were regularly going to see. So the chance to go there and do the breakfast show and have a proper relaunch was something that was too good to turn down. Now, it might sound weird having me big Viking up and wanting to always have worked there. And it seems when you look down my career, um, I've sort of bobbed and weaved. I've sort of got out at the right time every time. And, you know, who knows what, what would have happened had I stayed at Viking. Um, by this time, I'd moved on to the Drive Time show, which was phenomenal. And he, here's the thing as well. I was talking earlier on about the, the camaraderie between colleagues. 
So I would do what was a two and a half hour drive show on Viking in the late 90s, four till 6.30. And on a Friday, more often than not, if sales had had a good week, the pub across the road, Whittington and Cat, would have some money behind the bar for for all the staff. And knowing that I like to pint, um, they would say, uh, "Can you make sure you leave some of the money behind for when Steve's finished. He, he, he's, he's off air at 6.30. So obviously I'm, I'm in at 6.31. <laughs> and, and that's how it was. Management, sales, news, programs, all together. Absolutely phenomenal. But the, the opportunity to leave all that behind and go and do something different in a city that I knew very well anyway was too good to turn down. And I'd said yes before I'd been offered the breakfast show. So I went straight in at breakfast in Nottingham. And, uh, you know, I didn't know what show I was getting, but I said I'd go, uh, went to meet David, had a look around these offices that I was familiar with because of the, the documentary that I'd seen. And uh, it, it was a, a no-brainer. So luckily contractual wise it all fitted correctly and uh, and I could I could go down to the East Midlands for the first time the Steve Jordan breakfast show This, this was a growing brand in radio because it was not long after capital uh, took it over <laughs> Yeah, I mean that was a that was a I think probably the worst period of my career because about halfway through the capital came in there'd been rumors around for a long time and the inevitable happened all the familiar faces from upstairs gradually disappeared and then one day there was a big meeting Richard Park arrived and it was all that much of a blur I, I just remember Richard because Richard's obviously extremely well known I, I can't remember who else came with him from London but it was kind of like no don't worry everything's gonna be fine we're just here to say hello da, 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 da. but then you know everything did change it was um, an incredibly tense worrying period. So by this time, I was doing an afternoon program that because we had that many presenters on contracts, all the shows got shown. So I, I was doing two till four in the afternoon. So I used to joke, I don't even need to take my coat off. And I thought, oh, this is not good. I'm going to end up gone here. And for a while, every week, we'd get an announcement that a presenter was had left shall we say and there was a good period where I was on a different show every week and then realized at the end I was the only presenter that had stayed through all of that time very pleased with that but but let me tell you you know sleep was quite hard to come by in that period of time but I think the station moved on from there and it sounded it sounded good but it was it was incredibly weird i could imagine but it, within the uh, you, you said three years you were with i have to ask being in nottingham and anyone who's lived in nottingham has said how fun it is to live there um, yeah. and, i mean eamon kelly who's on smooth he talked about he, he just loved it because it, it was like it was a university city it was always vibrant it was uh, full of fun what was your highlight with being with century i i genuinely think if you're talking about nottingham as a city the fact that i knew it anyway so i didn't have to self-navigate over the first few weeks it's always strange getting picked up by a station and then having to work out where you are and what's around you uh nottingham famously is like you say extraordinarily vibrant in fact years later when i was hawking myself around as a, a jobbing freelancer i did actually uh, cover Eamon's programs on Smooth Radio when he was in Nottingham. And, and that was a, a lovely, lovely station to work for, but officially not, not a station that I was on because I never had a regular program, but I would, I did quite a lot of cover work there. Um, it, it's just, it, it's, it's just very exciting. I do miss Nottingham. Even talking about it with you now, I'm thinking I must, I must go back and go and have a, <laughs> another pint outside the castle and and just watch the world go by and and you know just go for a walk and it's yeah wonderful wonderful city the Steve Jordan breakfast show century 106 
absolutely. But you don't leave the Midlands directly because you move down the road to Leicester and join um, another uh, little local station, that being Leicester Sound. Yeah, this was a weird one. (laughs) (laughs) This was on that station as well. This was a weird one. Yes, but well, well before me. Yeah, I really didn't like it there. And the reason, in all honesty, that I went to Leicester Sound was because, as I'd mentioned earlier, we had a lot of very short programmes. And I was also under the impression that no new contracts were being offered. And I wasn't prepared. They still wanted to keep me on. But they wanted me to work without a contract and I wouldn't do that. So I know there was a, a an industry night out and I think it was a pub in Nottingham. And the programme controller of Leicester Sound was there, Tim Goff. We end up having a chat, which became, I think, three lunches in the end <laughs> to convince me to come join. And I was offered the mid-morning show. And when I say mid-morning show... 9am till 2, I think. And then it got moved to 10 till 3 or the other way around. I can't remember. Which felt like forever. So we ended up, uh, I think it was, he came, Tim came to Nottingham. I signed the contract because I didn't have one at Century by now. Signed the contract um, at the Via Fossa pub in Nottingham on the on the canal side. And uh, then I, I was on my way. However, and I'll always never forget this. I was, I was then after I'd gone out to lunch and signed the contract, I then went back to work in Nottingham and was essentially told, right, Steve, we'll do anything to keep you. What do you want? And that I think is the conversation I really wished I'd had because I had to say, I'm really sorry, but at lunchtime, I signed the contract and I'll be leaving in a fortnight. And looking back, having joined Leicester Sound, I was then made aware virtually on a monthly basis that I was losing links. Because GWR stations at that time had very strict rules on, on when your links were, how long they were, etc. But they'd said to me, no, 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 you're coming for a reason. We want more speech, more personality. And so that's what I started off doing. And then on a monthly basis, I was losing a link here, losing a link there, losing a link there. And so therefore, five hours became extraordinarily boring and not what I was best at. And luckily, (laughs) one year into a two-year deal, I was able to leave. Today's best mix, Leicester Sound, where our mix means more music variety for Leicester. Mel C and Lisa Lefty Lopez, never be the same again. Don't forget, you can check out the Leicester Sound Black Thunder crew right now in Melton Mowbray Town Centre. You have a chance to get free tickets to see American Oval Racing at Rockingham, a new circuit, a new attitude this coming Sunday, 4th of August. And you can also win a Johnny Herbert single-seater driving experience. Wow, how good's that? Get to Rockingham with the Black Thunder crew. After that, you moved back up to Hull. Now, a sort of a, a bit of history about this one station, because when you joined Viking, they had or they just started to launch Magic 1161. And here, here we are now, back in Hull, and you are on uh, Magic, uh, which is the AN service. Um, am I right in thinking Nick Wright was still running it at the time? No, no. So Nick, here's the timeline. So yes, Magic had started when I was at Viking the first time. Nick Wright was on Breakfast, who sub- sub- subsequently left. And then it was Paul Carrington. And then Paul left and I replaced Paul Carrington. That's, yeah, that's right. And... Let me tell you, those four and a quarter years doing the breakfast show on Magic 1161, I think by far and away my favourite period of being on the air. It was like um, a proper family of listeners. You know, great music. And the great thing is as well, because Viking was next door and that was seen as the big station, you were kind of left alone, which meant I absolutely flourished. And I I loved it. And I learned a lot in those four years about breakfast radio. And, and i got to say, Magic, the AM service, I, I used to listen to those stations a lot um, growing up. 
and they were brilliant. I mean, the presenters you got on there and the music as well. And I, 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 I did hear this room, uh, and I don't know if it was true, but did the presenters choose their own music for Magic? Uh, not when I was there, definitely not. No, no, no. We had the selector log, like uh. everybody else. Yeah. But it was a it was a really good log at the time. You 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 know we 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 had um, Darren Dolby, uh, based locally at Viking, who you know would would go through the music. He he was very very much into you know variety, as it were. So you know it was a genuine joy. You weren't you weren't playing the same oldies all the time, which I think a lot of stations may be guilty of of now. Um, it was it was a real pleasure and a real joy. Oh, and t- totally. And I mean, four four and a half years with Magic. What was your main highlight with them? Ah, that's a good question because I think that the sh- the show had become that big, and because I'd ha- I already had a following through being on Viking. So 2003 when I joined Magic, so I'd been off air in East Yorkshire for four years. Came back, seemed to have a lot of familiarity. A lot of people, so I, I, I kind of essentially picked up where I left off and a lot of listeners came with me, so much so that I ended up doing a lot of nightclub nights that ordinarily FM jocks would have done, but they ended up getting offered to me instead. So I was building up a following that way as well. Um, and again, you know, it, it was just one of those periods where great people around, Good team, lovely atmosphere to be in the building. Um, I, yeah, I, th- I think that, I think that's 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 probably how I would sum up my time at Magic. Four and a half years with Magic uh, eleven sixty one, and then um, you uh, move over to um, another station called KCFM. Yeah, it was approached. Um, I think, I think at the time, a lot of me wanted to be back on FM radio. And on, although I was having a good time, I was doing a breakfast show. I think the opportunity to join a new station from the very beginning, be the launch presenter, uh, and have a lot of fun in doing so, um, was too good an opportunity to turn down. I think it was always kind of nailed on that I'd be going there when, when the award was announced as who would be running it. People were putting two and two together and thinking, ah, oh, I bet Steve goes there. And strangely, I always remember the day the email went out and it was announced that I was leaving for a second time, for the, the Viking building, Magic. Um, straight away, somebody replied all to the email. Well, it's about time. I could see this coming a mile off, something like that. And it was like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so so off I went. But I mean, I was only there a couple of years, and luckily there was an out after a couple of years. Um, initially, it was great fun, you know, to be uh, to be broadcasting, doing a breakfast show on FM in my home city again. A lot of my listeners from Magic followed me, and and on a Friday as well to be able to hand over to. People like Tony Blackburn or Paul Burnett or David Hamilton, who, who would do the legend slots was phenomenal. There was, there was a period as well where, and I couldn't believe this. Uh, I was going to be taking a couple of weeks summer holiday and I'd casually said, uh, wouldn't it be lovely if you get, if you could get Tony Blackburn to sit in for me for a couple of weeks on the breakfast show, thinking no more would be done. And a few days later, they'd done the deal. <laughs> And I could not believe it. So I was, I was, um, I was in the Mediterranean somewhere, and I, I just thought every morning, Tony Blackburn's sitting in for me right now. This is crazy, absolutely crazy. And a great story I've got about Tony was whenever we, he would do the show from Hull. So the routine for me was the show would start at six, breakfast show on KCFM. I would get in about ten past five because I would go and get the papers at five o'clock from the paper shop. The moment that they opened, get the papers, and then pull in about ten past five. And if Tony was staying over the night before to do his 10 o'clock show on a Friday after me, he would already be in. (laughs) He'd be the first in. He's such a pro. And so he would, he would be the one who disabled the burglar alarm. He'd be the one that had opened the gates. He'd be the one that's, that's gotten in the building first. And I remember about quarter to six, I'm in the studio setting up to do the breakfast show. And Tony comes and sits in with me. He's got an iPhone for the first time. And he's he's telling me, 
how great an iPhone is and showing me all the things it can do. And all the time I'm thinking, oh, I really hope Tony leaves the studio in a minute because I, I don't think I can do a breakfast show with Tony sat opposite me. This would be mad. You know, the, the godfather of radio, essentially, in, in Great Britain wants to be in the same room with me while I'm doing the breakfast show. This is mental. And, and luckily for me, he did kind of wander off and go and read the paper somewhere. But, oh, that was that was really, really mad. Well, well, I have to ask, uh, having Tony Black been in the studio, did he? Did you ever ask him how he managed to disable the burger alarm? <laughs> <laughs> he probably got it wrong two or three times, knowing Tony. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that the police weren't actually caught. <laughs> <laughs> they probably were, and he sent them away. <laughs> I, hosted a, I hosted a pub quiz with him once in our time there and that was just incredible on the posters you know both of our names even now I'm like a starry-eyed kid I you know I can't can't quite believe half the things I've done I genuinely can't no, well, well, they've been they've been great fun, and I mean KCFM. I mean, the question I have to though ask on that because you did mention you you were there from the launch. What was that launch day though like? I, I can't. I genuinely can't remember much about it. It was it was all a blur. Knowing me, and this is the weird thing. So essentially, all my life from paper boy upwards, I've woken up early, and I'm a natural early riser, and I've never ever been late for work. The only time I've ever been late for work, I had, to miss a, I had to miss a breakfast show one day in Nottingham because I'd had a car crash. And that's the that's the only time I've ever been late or missing for work. And so the night before, I think I thought, oh, this is pointless even going to bed. I did, I tried, but I didn't get any sleep. So I would have been very, very bleary on the morning of it launching. It had been, it'd been decided that Twist and Shout by the Beatles was going to be the first song. Um, and even then I didn't get to play it. <laughs> it was the, it was the station director that played it in. And, um, uh, so I, I remember because I wasn't at the desk at that point when the station launched, but I remember leaping across like a panther because we'd taken IRN at six o'clock. And he hadn't faded it down. So the launch of KCFM, had it not for me, literally jumping across the studio would have been interrupted by the the IRN tones <laughs> that would have come down the line to signal that they're still there. As, as a jock who's uh, worked on a lot of these heritage stations uh, from uh, Lynx, Viking, Century 106, and then uh, starting new ones like KCFM, uh, the next station I believe that comes along is Real Radio. And um, I've always wondered, get into Real Radio, because you mentioned uh, when you were at Century 106, you'd actually watch that uh, Fly on the Wall documentary with John Myers. Now, John, of course, had had formed Real Radio. Was this the reason you went there? No, I ended up at Real because um, I'd thought, right, what am I going to do now? I ended up being a freelance, proper freelance. So I was working kind of everywhere. In fact, the, my first... So I, I ended up doing um, the networked uh, overnight show three nights a week. Um, so I was all over... Uh, initially England and Wales and then Scotland on all the reels. And I'd gotten there because um, I think I'd just messaged John Simon. So it was John Simons who got me in. I'd also done some stuff freelance on Real Radio Yorkshire. So occasionally I would um, present the afternoon show and uh, also I would cover Saturday evenings when Martin Kellner was off. So John knew of me and uh, got me in there with Dave Shearer. Uh, and what I thought might be a couple of weeks there broadcasting from, from Salford Keys. I, uh, I then was doing all sorts. So I was uh, on Asda FM from Leeds across the UK on in all, in all good Asda stores. 
uh, I had to go and check with a script once, strangely, when I was working at Asda, because I said, um, you want me to talk about jeggings? Do you mean leggings? And they said, no, jeggings. I'm like, I didn't know what they were. I had to Google them. <laughs> um, and I was also, there was, I was doing Magic 999 breakfast for a short while as well in Preston. I sort of done six till 10 in the morning. And then I was back on air at midnight across in Manchester. Mad, I couldn't do it now. My body just wouldn't let me. But so, yeah, I did a, a good couple of years of working here, there and everywhere. And I really, really enjoyed that. Right. I think with the in-store radio, I think it was Bruno Brooks's company that uh, used to uh, supply um, different uh, different shops with in-store radio. Uh, yes, he did, but it wasn't that. It was uh, it was Headland Media. Um, uh, I, 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 I was I, I, I was aware of Bruno's company, and I think had the timing been right, I would have gone across to work there as well. But it was never the right time. Um, and uh, maybe too much for me of a move to go down there full time. But you know, we did have a chat at some at one point. But it, it was never, it, yeah, it was never going to happen. It just wasn't the right time. But you know, it's uh, it's a lovely, lovely strand of radio to be in. But like, it's one that I've not been involved with for a few years now. I can't remember when I when I when I last did a programme. But yeah, it was, it was nice. It was, it was, like I say, a good team to everybody at Headland. Well, a good, a good team indeed. So after a couple of years of freelancing, um, you moved back into, um, I, I, I'm not sure if I, if I could say this was full-time radio, because um, is it Yorkshire Coast Radio, the next station? Yep, breakfast in Scarborough. I couldn't believe when the job advert went up and I thought, right, if I'm going to get back into normal, normal-ish hours, something more regular and not having to worry uh, about what I'm going to be, where I'm going to be working next month, how much I'm going to be earning, etc., etc., and still be in radio, I will, I, I will admit that I saw this and I was like, yes, 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 yes. Scarborough uh, is a town I extraordinarily well always somewhere where I'd go uh, upon the train from from where I live to have lovely, lovely times in the sunshine, etc. When it is sunny there, of course. Uh, but Scarborough is essentially one of the finest seaside towns. Devastated to find when I got there that unfortunately the station is, was based um, on the upstairs of an industrial unit about three miles out. But there we go. Never mind. You can't have everything. But no, I mean, to be, to, to be sat there and sort of inst- essentially instantly be offered the, the job at, at the time it was uh, was wonderful and and I was only there a year and I, I kind of regret that now because it was just building momentum I was doing a show very similar to the one that I did for Magic 1161 um, and it was getting the listeners and I was having a great time but uh, out of the blue and something I would never have been able to predict in 2013, um, Viking got back in touch again and, and said, do you want to come join us and come and do the drive time show again? And I said, yeah, <laughs> I just, what, you want me back? Do you know how old I am regarding, you know, the music that Viking play now and were playing at the time, but I loved it. And, uh, I had another, I think three years there. Oh, I, what a, what a time! I believe you're right there, and I mean, you're never t- you're never too old to be playing hit music on uh, radio stations. I mean, look at Chris Tarrant on Capital; he was still uh, well. He was he was he was uh, almost pushing sixty when he uh, left the breakfast show. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, even though in you know the, the early two thousands, whatever, yeah, music had changed. He was playing all that. He was still getting away with playing the Eagles. At breakfast, <laughs> that is true. quite a lot, which isn't a bad thing at all. You know, had I been in the London area, I would have been listening every single morning. You trust me, um, but yeah, I, you know, obviously there would be a station for Chris Tarrant right now, 
Uh, Capital FM certainly wouldn't be that station, but they they are they are there, and they, they, you know there are. So obviously, radio's got to evolve because everybody, you know, look at Radio Two now, for instance. This is something that I could see, and many people could see coming for years. It would have to go younger at some point, and it's just starting to do that um, now. I think Sarah Cox on Drive was a, a massive. Uh, start for all of that. Zoe on breakfast and now Scott in an afternoon is a huge indicator of, of, of people growing up and wanting more. But then where do those Radio 2 listeners go? Well, I'm sure something will crop up that will be to their taste. Um, and, and where, where are the presenters who are on Radio 1 right now? Where are they going to end up in the future? Are there, will there be Radio 2 material? Will there be such a thing as Radio 2? Will there be a brand new radio network for them to go on? There will be opportunities, but it's very exciting even now to to try and second guess what's going to happen to the industry. 96.9 Viking FM with Adele rolling in the deep. The abnormal load is moving really, really slowly, by the way, has now reached the A164 around Beverly near the 1079 where it turned off from two miles an hour heading towards King George Dock. Very slow tonight. When you mentioned about coming to Viking in 2014, it was a very exciting time for Bauer because they were expanding. Um, they um, basically Viking was becoming what would essentially be part of the Hits network, uh, but then it was the BC One network, and then the Magic stations were all merging at the same time to become the BC Two network. And uh, whilst you're doing Drive on Viking. You get offered to do the, wasn't it the Network Evening Show in 2016, 2017 on BC2? Yes. Now, so I'd done, I'd done three years at Viking, my third stint. So I'd done two years on Drive. And I, I think, I know I said Magic 1161 Breakfast was my favourite time on the air. I still don't consider myself to be a breakfast presenter. I'd still, so if somebody said, right, we've got a clean slate, where, where do you want to go? And I would say, Drive time. You know, for instance, the show that Simon uh, Mayo is doing right now on Greatest Hits Radio is is a, a great show to listen to and is a perfect time slot for him. I'm sure he'd say the same, and that's how exactly how I look at it as well. Um, so I, I'd done two years on Drive, and then they put me on to mid-mornings for a year. And uh, then um, the, 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 it was a weird Friday. They called me in. My contract was coming to an end. I was surprised that I'd lasted three years. And it was kind of like, um, Steve, we're, we're not going to renew your contract. It was not a surprise to me at all because the fact that I was there, management had changed again since, since I'd been taken there. It was not a surprise to me at all. Could see it coming a mile off. I was in my mid forties as I would have been at the time. So. Yeah. Absolutely understandable. The way the station was going, the music that was coming out, it didn't make sense. And I would have taken me off. And literally, so this, this was after I'd come off the air. So this was in the afternoon, Friday afternoon. Uh, and by, by seven o'clock that same evening, um, I'd got a call from Mike Cass at what is now Greatest Hits Radio. Um, would you like to come and do the evening show <laughs> from, so I'd finished in the December at Viking. Would you like to start in January? I'm like, okay. So I just ended up, and, you know, one of the stations that would have been on, which is now Greatest Hits Radio, uh, Vi uh, Viking 2, which was Magic 1161. So kind of back amongst my old, li old listeners again, who, when I arrived, all remembered me. And, um, you know, the text that I would get in was 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 great. So that that was really weird. I'm, I, it's only talking to you now, Luke. I'm realising how lucky I've been where... Most of the jobs I've got, I've not even applied for. And that's really, that's really bewildering to me, really bewildering to me. It's kind of the right place, right time, we could say. Couldn't yeah. We? And I mean, that, that that evening show you used to do on BC2, I was I was one of the um, the loyal listeners, I can say to you, Steve. It, it, oh, bless you. It was a great evening show to listen to. And um I mean, the, the music that you guys used to play, I mean, because I, I was saying to Sean Goldsmith about this, what I loved about BC2, um, apart from the, pre the presenters, were that you'd, um, 
you would try and uh, do a sort of, I could say a, a kind of Radio 2 playlist, but with an edge to it. So you'd have like the new ones from Texas, uh, the new ones from James Blunt, Take That, and uh, mixed in with all the uh, favourites that uh, we all know and love. Yeah, there would be a, a gleaming golden nugget every so often from an established artist. Yeah, so it was there was a little bit of a, a sizzle to uh, for, for what would ordinarily be a, 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 what is now a greatest hits playlist um and yeah there were, uh, every evening I would, I would come in look at my log uh, and think oh not played that for a while my word I, I thought I'd be playing that you know and, and uh, but I thought but no they're giving me a different song from that same artist and it's fantastic so I was yeah you know the three hours flew by of an evening all through that I was playing the video in my head after Mel and Kim showing out Sledgehammer from Peter Gabriel. You've not seen the video ever. YouTube is your friend. Number one for Yorkshire and Northern Lancashire. This is Viking FM. It's Friday's 80s top 10 at 10. Ian in Hull, you got it right. Debbie in York, you got it right. You did as well, Michelle and Brig. Debbie in East Hull, loads of others. I've not had any wrong answers yet today. This is good going. Um, if you'd like to have a guess, do let me know. 01482 The next song you'll hear on the top 10 at 10 is a song that I'm pretty sure after midnight on a dance floor, I did start stripping to. Sorry if you were there. The pumpkin well, the BC2 network uh, ceased to exist uh, on December the 31st, 2018. And then after that, Greatest Hits Radio was born. And uh, I, I have to ask, um, ask you as someone who was there until... Um, that until the end with BC2, would you have loved to have stayed um, as it was becoming Greatest Hits? Um, oh, don't get me wrong. I, I listen to Greatest Hits now and it's really establishing itself now. And I think in a couple of years' time, it will be huge. Of course, they, you know, there's a lot of big names on. And even if I'd have stayed, I wouldn't have fitted in. There's, you know, I would put it, you know, it's a, it's a great listen. It's, it is a really, really good listen. And it would have been nice to have stayed, but the opportunity came that I'd always wanted to join the BBC, uh, at Radio Derby. So whilst I was doing towards the end of my time at BC2, um, I'd, I'd got some cover work at BBC Coventry in Warwickshire. I'd got some cover work at Radio Derby. And I think I thought, right, that's, that's where my next move is going to be. And then, um, whilst I was, so I, I took six weeks off from BC2 to go and be a stadium announcer at the World Cup in Russia. And I'd only been there a week and I got the call from Radio Derby saying, how would you like to come and join us to do the drive time show? And I'd sort of said yes before they'd finished asking the question. <laughs> and I think that that kind of says a lot because I think as well, as a presenter, you get a gut feeling. You know that something's going to happen. There's been lots of talk, lots of rumours, etc., etc. Uh, and I thought, well, my job here might not last that long anyway. It's uh, July now, really till Christmas. I can probably expect to be there at the very latest, which would have turned out to be the case. Uh, so luckily, uh, I was very graciously allowed to leave. In fact, my last week wasn't even on my regular evening programme. It was covering Andy Crane, who was on breakfast at that time. So I got to go out doing the breakfast show, then took another couple of weeks off. And then I got to uh, to join Radio Derby, which is where I have been since September 2018. And being on BBC Local Radio again, has sounded like a huge privilege, and especially because they've been in the news recently with um, how people have been, how, you know, listeners have demonstrated that they still have a place in local radio, because just look at how they were um, handling the Liz Truss interview uh, not that long ago. Not 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 just Radio Dar Derby, but other BBC local stations. I mean, for you being with Radio Derby... And as you said, the dream came true to work for the BBC. What is it like to be with BBC Local Radio? There's a lot of hard work, but that's what got me interested in the job. Um, and the thing that I find weird, and I think if there's anybody listening to this who has made the, the crossover from being in commercial radio for a very, very long time 
to the BBC, what I found is um, in, in, in local radio, you're essentially the jockey and the trainer. But when you go across to the BBC, you still have that mindset. And it's weird, or it was to me at first, that you have people to do things for you. And I'm not very good with that. <laughs> I like I, I like to be, you know, the manager, the assistant manager, the captain and, and the star striker and the goalkeeper. You know, I, I like to be the one who it's, it's my ultimate responsibility for the programme. And it takes a while to get your head around that. It takes a while. But you know, I've I've enjoyed my time at Radio Derby on on the air, and and now I you know particularly the 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 Saturday and Sunday morning shows that I've been presenting for eighteen months, you know, they've let me have a lot more say. I'm I'm essentially self produced now for those programs, which I enjoy immensely because you know I do like putting all the jigsaw pieces into place because at the end of the day, if it's if the program's rubbish, I don't want to be in a position where I'm blaming somebody else. I want to be blaming me. Jimmy Cliff, bright sunshiny day, I can see clearly now. Uh, don't be fooled, by the way, if you're yet to venture outdoors, because yes, the sun might be apparent where you are across Derbyshire and East Staffordshire. Uh but phew, temperature's dropped. It is a little colder than it has been. And already, I think I've decided, based on that, I'm going to buy a onesie. I don't know which animal print I'm going to go get, but I'm going to have a onesie. Because I'm just sat about thinking, if, if you're listening early, you'll know that I'm very, very tired today. Don't know why, but I couldn't sleep last night. I don't really have much left in me today. I'm already looking forward to a big mug of tea tonight, strictly come dancing, uh, and being sat in the living room with, well, either the heating on, or, or I might bring the duvet down. Yeah, plan B, I gotta think. Get up, gotta get up, gotta get up. Far cheaper. Soon, though, I'll dress like a zebra. In the 30 years in the radio business you've achieved, Steve, from commercial to, to BBC radio, what advice would you give to anyone who's wanting to make a career in radio? If you'd asked me this question... 15 years ago, I think my answer would have been so very different. 15 years ago, the threat of not having a program wasn't as great because there, the chances are there would have been always somewhere for you to move on to. And now because everything's networked, rightly or wrongly, those opportunities don't exist. So what I would say is, and it's probably what everybody you've asked this question to has said, but it is make sure you know who you are. Keep your identity. Be enthusiastic. When doors close, try and kick them open. If somebody shows any kind of um, interest in you, but they've got nothing for you, don't be a stranger. Make sure you let them know that you're really, really keen and really, really interested. You know, uh, end up offering yourself out for work experience or a production role or something like that. Keep making every demo that you come up with different and better than the one that you've done before. Don't settle for mediocrity. Make sure you stand out. Even if your ambition is to go onto a station, let's say, that only plays, uh, you only have the opportunity to speak, I don't know, you've got four links every hour, no more than 30, 40 seconds. Don't let that put you off because it's still a great gig. But don't, don't let your demo only have those 30, 40 second links flourish because then they'll know what you can do. Because at the end of the day, they could put anybody on. But if they can tell in somebody's voice that they're a nice person to be around, they've got a good, strong voice to be on the radio, they've got the wherewithal and the personality that goes along with it, and the character to survive in this business, then you will be of interest, maybe not initially, but eventually. Well, on that note, Steve... Who was your radio great? My radio great was somebody who has been mentioned previously in this podcast and couldn't believe it when they once private messaged me asking if I was available to work for them. I used to adore listening 
to the Radio 1 Drive Time Show and the Top 40 with Bruno Brooks. The energy, enthusiasm, passion and voice was, to me, perfect for me at that age and as an aspirational radio presenter. Loved that show, loved the Top 40. Always wanted to present the Top 40, always wanted to host a Radio 1 Roadshow. Um, Bruno did all of those things and more. He was phenomenally good on the air. Well, Steve Jordan, thank you ever so much for participating in this edition of Radio Greats Today. Thank you, Luke. A pleasure. It's uh, five to six, Friday, 28th of October, 2022. Um, Many people um, asking after today where you'll be able to hear me on the radio after this programme. The honest answer is um, I'm taking a back seat from broadcasting for a while, I'm I'm going to be off doing something else. So essentially, I'm not going to be on the radio anywhere, so you won't find me. Um, so I've managed, as you've been hearing, um, four years, two months here. Uh, and there's one person I'd, I'd truly like to thank for support over all of that time, the person who gave me that surprise quarter of an hour back, my producer behind the glass, Peter Spencer. Pete, thank you very much. What a team. Really appreciate everything you've done for me. Now, another absolute rock in my life is a wonderful man called Tim Goff. Back in 2001, Tim signed me up to join the radio station that he was in charge of, Leicester Sound. And in those 20 plus years, he went from being my boss to my best friend. An absolute diamond of a man. Thank you, Tim. I love and miss you. Thank you for listening. This is the BBC. Remembering the great DJs of radio. It's Radio Grace with the live Luke.